1: Celtic Stuff Live, with your hosts Justin
0: Pullen and John Duke. Welcome to the Celtic Stuff Live on the CNS Media Network, the online provider. No, the leading. I need to start over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just I always say it the same way. I wanted to change it up, but it just definitely did not come out right. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. Justin and John here to help you through the very <laughs> off kilter off season and a very short one it's going to be we're going to cram in a number of topics and the next thing you know it's going to be draft night in november i guess or thanksgiving or maybe there'll still be some candy left over from halloween weird times let's talk about a couple of things tonight john one is going to be well we're going to talk about the draft we're going to start teeing that up a little bit we're going to take a deep dive As we get closer to the draft into prospects, because this is always again, it feels weird to say this, but this is your favorite time of year. But we didn't have March Madness. We didn't. There's just so many things we didn't get. So I'm interested to get your take just to kick it off. We have to talk about Gordon Hayward and, you know, maybe some Jason Tatum impact of extensions and salary considerations. And we'll be weaving all that in. But just kick this off and tell me how weird it is. For your very favorite time every single year when we do this show, March Madness, draft pick, well, draft lottery, draft pick potential, the draft. How weird is it under these circumstances for you?
1: That, that we're going to talk about a draft that's going to hit like a little more than a week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> you know? I mean, but just, even there's...
0: your evaluation of the prospects, right? It, like, it, isn't that yeah. weird
1: too? You, yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week. How how much work has been done by these guys since, or not? But how? But but let's let's take the positive end of it. How much have these guys worked on their their shot? Worked on different aspects of their game. You know, added to their frame. In terms of, um, you know, I, you know, dropped weight, whatever it is. I mean, you know, when you go from Ending your your college your college season in let's say March, you know, and the draft is three months later. Okay, well, you know, you can do, add some things to your game, but you're not going to really get too crazy. In this case, you're t- you're talking about eight months, you know, uh, a good eight months since most of these people have last played a real and uh, real game, and so that's that's really. Um, a challenge, and and then of course there were limits in terms of throughout this period as to what the, the NBA teams could see. So now the some of that has been loosened, and it seems as though that the opportunities are somewhat wide open for teams to contact and, and to make. Um, it's almost like a free agency in some ways. It's not as regulated as it usually is for teams to contact and discuss with draft prospects, draft
0: prospects, which I And a lot more of these good. players, a lot more of these players are going to end up in the G League too. I don't it'll be interesting to see how that yeah. impacts all these two-way players that we've had in the past and yeah. you know, there's going to be there's going to be players that because there's more talent staying stateside, there's going to be players who have really enjoyed a decent living playing a game they love in the G League that are going to end up not having jobs. You know, yeah. at a difficult time, you know, financially for the NBA to begin with, who are not going to be able to do that because of the saturation of the US market. It's going to be great for the G League, though. The quality of the product, it you know, I think it's going to create avenues. I think this is one of those areas that the NBA may reevaluate. Not that they don't support overseas basketball and players getting paid. But if the G League winds up thriving because of increased competition in small markets, and the NBA sees that there's an opportunity to continue to do things now that these team affiliations are there. And maybe it's something they already wanted to do. I have a feeling that this could be the stepping stone for that becoming a path from high school to the NBA uh, and bypassing college. I mean, the NBA will have a lot of political dancing around that. But it certainly is a possibility that that could open up a little bit, and players have been clamoring for it for a long time. You know, why am I going to college to play a game when I don't? You know, I know I'm headed to the pros, which may or may not be true, by the way. But I know I'm headed to the pros. Why can't I get paid coming out of high school? Um, and there's lots of reasons to go to college. I don't think it would influence the draft as much. But guys that are not as collegiately motivated may just bypass college altogether. Eventually, this could be a stepping stone for that.
1: Well, we are. And and to that, to that end, we, we do have the, uh, the select team, uh, which, um, has been, you know, Brian Shaw is going to coach a team with some of the top players who are going to enter the 21 draft, um, you know, and Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, some of these guys who are top top talents um, that would have gone to college, but when you know things being as they were last winter or last spring, I suppose um, they chose to just as you said bypass uh, the college system, uh, bypass going overseas, um, as we saw with Lamelo Ball and and uh, RJ Hampton, and they're going to play in the G League. So. You know, there's still a question of how the G League season will work, but it seems pretty uh, likely that there will be some sort of G League um, situation to allow these prospects to show what they have in that kind of minor league setting. So, uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. It it does the whole the whole framework changes, and then there's a question of how do you value players. You know, can you, you know, do you value players that you saw a lot of yourself? Um, You know, Danny's always done. The thing where he will highly value what he's seen of players in the AAU and high school ranks, less so if they have one bad college year. Um, does that lessen that or does that make a guy like Danny Ainge more important because he, va- he already values the, the high school, uh, uh experience, uh, or, or pre-college, I guess, experience. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts how NBA decision makers look at these players. Um, and the other piece of it that we talked about before again is this is a short turnaround. There's not a lot of time between when this draft happens and when it. I think what it sounds like when training camps will open up. I mean, I'm thinking you're going to be a month, maybe, because uh, if they're looking at starting up again on uh, Martin Luther King Day, uh, or or even will earlier there be
0: a winter league? Will there be the, a winner league see. for these players? They really can't be right. I don't think they're going can. into the bubble, so they just go right into an NBA camp. They're part of the team. What it, this could be a very interesting dynamic for what that does for team chemistry. You know, we just got done talking about how Robert Williams and Grant Williams and yeah. you know the younger players, uh, the, the rookies. You know, not so much Carson Edwards and Tremont waters but even Romeo Langford as they were into the bubble we just got done talking about how even with the time off and maybe they were just playing in their own areas that the game seemed to slow down for them this is only going to make the game seem that much crazier faster I'm I'm having a hard time envisioning rookies really contributing this year less practice I mean now the only the only sidebar to that is, if there's less travel, if there's more bubble experience, there's more practice time, that definitely could uh, help offset that a little bit. Because one of the things Brad's always complained about is, versus college, I have no practice time. Once training camp is done, I can never work with these players the way that I want to to get where I need to go.
1: Right, right, absolutely. And I I would... So you're going to likely get less out of your rookies this year than you normally would. You're going to have uh, fewer opportunities. I mean, there may be more practice time because of how they block up the schedule, but then that goes back to how many games, you know, I mean, they'll know that it seems before they get to a point where they're, they're drafting players, but for a team with three draft picks going in, you know, it, it, it does not seem like an ideal circumstance for a, a team that's considered a contender to have so many draft picks, um, you know, unless they're able to, you know, unless they want to trade them, you know, I mean, if, if they're going to really be a contending team, they're really not going to get much out of those three draft picks. It's, it would seem on the surface uh, going into it, it's going to be really difficult for Brad Stevens to turn, you know, even the 14th pick uh, into something that can, can contribute towards winning in 2021, you know, 2022, you know, if, if, Bill Simmons is to be believed, or, or you know uh, some of the reports are to be to be believed that they're trying to get back on a regular schedule. Um, then you know by this time next year, when we have the 2021-22 season kicking off, you know they may be in a great spot. But you know when you have you know two players right around 30, max contract players, and you're um, you know two wins away from the conference finals, or excuse me, from the the NBA finals. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, what you have to ask yourself, what is, where does this team stand? Where are they going? What is their, um, what is their focus? Um, you know, we've had a lot, you know, danger cart wrote a lot this week or last week about, you know, they need to really build around Jason Tatum. And that may mean limiting what they can do in 2021 for a, a longer run with Tatum at the, at the center of that. But that so much of that goes back to, What do you do with these draft picks? And, you know, consequently from that, um, you know, the Gordon Hayward situation. So that's, you know, we're going to kind of get into that in a little bit. But I'm just, it's a fascinating decision. It's really, you know, it's really interesting. And, you know, turning three draft picks is always hard into one. Is this a year you trade up? You know, all the more reason. You'll have fewer practices, the fewer people you have to put time into to develop. You know, or do you take more swings at the back and hope hoping you, you hit on one of those three or two of those three would be a absolute grand slam Craig, it's I don't know the answer you know but it's, it's, it's well, so be, let's it's talk about me. make that decision we're,
0: we're, we're gonna go high level so you know we there's all kinds of things out there about taking all three picks trying to move up The draft doesn't have top tier talent, and so this would be a good time to do it. People maybe want to take more swings of the bat, as you just said. All of that. Let's say they let's just carve out a a world where the Celtics package them all up, trade up, maybe into the top ten, and then are going to pick a player and they're going to go for the the their best swing of the bat on an impact player in the draft. Um, Big debate. Definitely either center or guard. I think a lot of people leaning more towards point guard, somebody who can help facilitate the offense. Although I love me personally. I love smart in that role. I I would like to see maybe a score or maybe more of that hybrid. You, You know, honestly another Terry Rozier would fit perfectly. Uh, because they, he was able to run out there next to Smart, as they were, you know, taking Kyrie out or Isaiah Thomas out, they complemented each other well. But there was some scoring when they really needed it, and Terry was not a great ball handler. They definitely took the ball out of his hands. But I know we're going to talk about Hayward, and assuming they don't trade Hayward, you would still have that ability, but maybe more of a a little bit a, more of a scoring point guard who can hit a three. But I I really want somebody who maybe can attack at that position and has some playmaking. If they're going to go into the guard, which way would you go? Would you go big man, or would you go, you know, some sort of a guard? And if you go guard, you got to tell me if you're going playmaking or scoring.
1: Yeah, I well, I think, um, I mean, so much of this really is.
0: Depends on the players that are available. I get it. Yes. Yeah. But, well, but it depends let's, upon let's who's start with need, is. Right. Let's just yeah. start with in an ideal world, they can right. take the best player, like the best player slides to them, right? So mm-hmm. before we, we're gonna get in over the next few weeks on actual players and where it goes depending on how the knocks are starting to play out and all that. But just let's set the table for this hypothetically. We'll 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 kind of debate that. You know, then we'll take our quick break or whatever and talk about yeah. the hate bird and, and general roster construction.
1: Right, right. So, you know, I'm at a point right now where I have um, BAM fever. Um, I was just so impressed with how Bam Adebayo played in that, in that conference finals. I mean, he was the difference. I mean, they, you know, I, Jimmy Butler had you know, was certainly the, the heart and soul and, and the engine that drove that team and Dragic was an absolute killer, and Harrow, and blah, 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 blah. Kyler, you know, Duncan Robinson, and, you know, Jay couldn't miss a shot the first few games. But Bam was the reason, to me, that they they won that series. It really had, it really, when you've got a point in Game 6 where their center is going to break down, basically point Bam, two, three possessions in a row where he just dribble drive from basically, you know, 35 feet away and get, got to the rim. One, he got a, got a finish and one, he got to the line. Uh, what do you do with that? You know what I mean? What do you do with that? So, and look, I, I think that they've, they've got great potential with Robert Williams. I think he could be something. Um, I mean, the he's tantalizing, I think Grant Williams is absolutely has the potential to be a, a solid NBA player for a number of years. I just don't know that I trust Robert Williams, to be able to have the um, the focus that you need to to be a big man, the instincts, the the all of that, and then consequently, I you know I also don't know if you know offensively where where he's at. I would move up for a big man if all things being considered. When I look at this team and I look at Jason and Jalen as the core of whatever the team is going to be in the future, I look at you know the fact that they do have you know, Kevin Walker. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, Gordon Hayward is part of this mix as well, but I'm just those older guys. I'm not worrying about, I'm really focused on Jalen and Jason and what do they need around them. And to me, they need a centerpiece big man who, who lets everything else work around him. And a lot of, there was a lot of talk about Wiseman. I think Wiseman is, you know, certainly he has the size and, uh, but really didn't show out all that well in his limited instances in Memphis. A, Aneka Kongu is really, I think the very much of the Bam style center. Um, he doesn't have the, 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 length or, or he doesn't have a, a deep shot yet. Um, but I think he has that type of versatility at the cellist need from a defender. Um, you know, I think he can do what. Uh, what we've been asking of Daniel Tice and, you know, and really add to that and be, you know, I think that's the style of center you need. You need somebody who is willing to bang and, and muscle a little bit. But really, when it comes down to it, has that flexibility to be able to stay with smaller, quicker guys uh, on the perimeter. You you have to be able to do those things. And I, and that's a congo to me. He's that guy. I think he's I think he's special. I think he's a guy you
0: could trade up for. You couldn't help yourself. You had to go into the players. I can't. You, I can't, help had it. To. you can't even have a theoretical conversation. You're I already can't. locked I in. Can't. You're I can't. already locked in. Okay, I so, can't the, do it. so the that's so to me, that, that's love, the high uh, Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day <laughs> at the end of the day, you're going big man. That's the I handsome. go big. I should have called I think you five minutes ago. You're gonna to have to have this conversation again three more times between now and the I'm draft night. Don't ah. you think though that big is? Don't you think that,
1: that the big is the hardest to find and and the most indispensable piece?
0: I do. And here's the problem: they're yeah. not gonna get somebody in the draft that's gonna have the kind of impact that you want in the postseason next year. They're just not. And, I, and I'm not right. trying to be totally negative. Ellie about the draft and and everything else like that's not where I'm coming from. I'm not not even like this draft versus other drafts. It's not even about the fact that there's no, you know, real solid training camp slash summer league. It's got nothing to do with that. Bigs in this league don't make an impact in year one. Enough to influence a playoff series, and it has everything to do with foul trouble and all the BS about the official that makes me bananas. You know, it's the, no, I get no respect. You know, it's the Ronnie, hey, uh. it's the Ronnie Dangerfield effect on the rookies. So just you can't count. You just not going to happen. They are going to disrespect the rookie unless somehow, some way, they've been anointed, right? But they're not going to get anointed. No. Not. no. And so with that I, in mind, yeah. with that you're in right. mind, this is not the path to a championship next year if if you're all in, well, if Hayward is all in and you're not trading anybody, and this was this is coming on the heels of our conversation from last week, but if you're not going to gamble a little bit to get younger, send some players out, do that, you know, if and, and not necessarily younger from the draft but send players out for younger players in general to build this team around. If you're not looking at doing that next year, then the draft isn't going to make the difference either. And, and one of the things that, you know, I could I could potentially see happening, but it, it would be great if they packaged, now I realize there may be limited value in many people's minds, but it would be great if they packaged, moved up to the top ten, and then combined that with some of their other current younger players, um, uh, you know, and maybe a vet and then went out and really solved this problem. And and maybe maybe we'll just do the ad read now because I'm not going to let you jump the gun anymore on the draft. <laughs> the wait is finally over. Football is back and you might not be at a game this year. But you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You get in on their season I should say you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win division and championship futures today. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, John, pivoting to the veterans and roster construction, Whoop. potential changes, Whoop. nothing to see here, or at least, not much left to say here. Let's go to... No. <laughs> just teasing. Let's go to Hayward. Let's let's have the Hayward conversation.
1: It's the centerpiece of whatever is going to happen to me. Like, the first part of the show, I totally agree with you. Like, the idea that anybody who's going to come in in this draft and make an impact on, 20, on the 21 season is, is not going to happen. It's just not likely. Tyler, the Tyler heroes of the world... I mean, I think we saw in the finals that he had a horseshoe up his uh, his posterior, let's say, uh, in that uh, in that conference finals. Good on him for it, but you know, look, that is, you know, uh, <laughs> there were field mice and pumpkins by the time of the time they got to the finals. So I, so the, you're right. The question is, is like, what are the Celtics doing? You know, can they? The draft is the future to me, and the Hayward is the present. And so just to kind of reiterate, Dagerkart kind of says, look, they could go a couple different ways, Uh, makes the point that with the way that it seems they're going to deal with uh, salaries that actually they'll use rather than um, change the salary cap, they're going to use escrow. And so, in a way, it may make more sense for Hayward to opt out this year and go for a, like a three year contract, a three year extension, uh, to try to lower annual average value, maybe try to get him to the tax if they can. And then, you know, and then be here. And if he doesn't do that, then uh, you try to trade him. So that's, you know, that was kind of what he had laid out. He and I kind of went back and forth a little bit on it and. I thought about it some more, heard him on another, you know, with with Corralis today. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of get it now. I kind of get it because I look at this roster and the thing that worries me about Hayward, and and you know, we were both of us were very pro go get Gordon Hayward when he was coming that year when he was going to be a free agent and the year before too. But he is the injury history bothers me. And the fact that we've now been in he's been under contract for three seasons and he's had really zero. um, Well, you could argue that one game he came back, but really he's had zero good playoff performances in three years. And is that all his fault? No, but at some point you just got to (laughs) like, you got to cut bait, I guess. That's kind of my thought, you know, and I hate to say that they just never clicked with him and, and the Jays and Kemba. And smart, they never could make that five man roster, five man lineup work. And if you can't play your best five players on the floor at the same time, what are you even doing? That's kind of where I'm at with Gordon Hayward. As right. much as I'm analyzed by the, the prospect of it, I feel like if they can't play their five best players, then they got to do something different. What do yeah. you think?
0: No, I I wish we could debate a little bit more on that. But <laughs> But I'm a 100 percent with you. you know, I think that's like the biggest, you know they need to be stronger in their top five because that's who's going to be on the court to, to finish games, et cetera, et cetera. And we had a lot of excitement for that. I have one other question though. How much do you think like theoretically what you're saying is right? right. But then they had all of the injuries, so they never really had a chance to work that out. Do you know right. what I mean? And even right. in the bubble, it was looking really good. Everybody said, heading into the postseason, this is the hottest team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Gordon gets hurt again, you know, and he does a, a admirable job of coming back and, and doing his best to contribute, but... It, I'm not sure we ever really got to see what that best five could look like, to be honest with you. And so um, do you feel like Kimball Walker's injury and Gordon Hayward's injury and not all lining up has a lot to do with that? Like, don't you think that's still a dangerous lineup when everybody's healthy? And I guess that's my concern is yeah. we've got the, we've got these two veterans, and Hayward wasn't even really that old of a veteran but we've got these two veterans and all of a sudden it's like they're banged up. And and that's always been my move for get a little younger, um, you know, in general, in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a part of me that says run it back and and see what you can get because it would seem the odds would tell you that at some point they're all going to be healthy at, at the same time and all that talent should work. But, it's also, it also feels like it, at some point when you keep beating your head against the wall, <laughs> you got to turn around and go another direction. You know, I, I is that his fault? No. Is it Kendall's fault? No. Is it, you know, did everybody make the right decisions? Yeah. I mean, I, I just wonder if it's just not going to work, you know, and, and uh, you know, if you can get something for him that, and, and that's the thing. I don't, Feel like you throw them away. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you know you got to get pieces. You got to get at least one piece that's among your five best players. You know you got to have someone on that of that group who's going to be better than Daniel Tice. You know if if you if if you know we again love Tice. Yep, love Tice. Jalen, Jason, Kemba, Smart. All right, you need the fifth person, likely a big that has to be better than Daniel Tice likely to be able to, to be where you got to be. And if that, if you can find that trade, because likely then you also have to have another player in that trade, probably a couple players, you know, that adds to the depth to make, you know, in terms of making the money, uh, because so you're, not gonna, from, you're not going to, you're not going to get a, a deal for a, who's, another max contract.
0: Who's you're going to get somebody who, out. If who's going out.
1: Well, you know, I mean, the, the one that, that, Kind of got me kind of Jared fired Allen? up and talking to, um, in, in talking with, uh, Bernardoni was, you know, he was saying Harrison Barnes and Bielitsa, you know, and, you know, or you go with, uh, you know, like a Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway combination, um, if you're talking with, with, with Dallas. Neither of those really get me excited, truthfully. Uh, what about bigs, though? Well Bielitsa, Bielitsa is a, you know, he's a shooting big. I mean he's kind of a he's kind of got the Kelly O'Lenick kind of thing happening. Um, so you no, know, Barnes was really the issue is the
0: toughness. They've got well, the I, agree. I, I no I agree I
1: agree with that. I think that's I think that's why I'm I'm not as excited about that. But the problem so is what about the a combo? A lot of toughness ends up coming from players who are too big and very slow you have to find that balance of trying to that's why i'm saying you're probably not going to find the solution in 21 you know you're going to you're going to find something that might be a little bit more competitive in 21 um you know than an injured Warren Hayward. are you just but
0: straight up dim- dismissing the jared allen like possibility I don't, I don't i don't think they can get him meaning that brooklyn won't give him up
1: i don't think brooklyn and boston are going to do a trade
0: that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like that's... If they're going to move him, they're going to send him somewhere else.
1: And he, he makes no money. He's on a rookie contract.
0: So that is yeah. like... Makes the he, asset piece difficult. Yep.
1: To me, if you're Brooklyn, you're trying to... If you're going to trade him, you're trying to combine him with some other assets and trying to get that third star. You know? I, I, that's what seems like the way they're going. I
0: would think... Yeah, but couldn't talk- that be? Well, yeah, but then Boston's never going to send, you yeah. know, Gordon Hayward over there. Right.
1: I think Jared Allen would be great. But don't don't get me wrong. I I, I think he would be – he's he's being held back in being there in, in Brooklyn, in my mind. You well, know? that's he, the whole point, I, right,
0: because they want to play yeah. Jordan ahead of him. That's where you might be able to do a deal, you know, but I'm just – Brooklyn's not going to take an injured guy – a guy with a history of injuries like Hayward. Although I think Hayward and Durant have, I, did you get the sense that they, that Kyrie and Hayward didn't get along? Cause I feel like Hayward and Durant were kind of buddies, not buddies so, enough.
1: So I, I, I didn't feel like it was Kyrie and, and Gordon. I thought, I, I mean, maybe there was, there was some sort of weird thing with Kyrie and, and the fact he was hurt, but I, I didn't get the sense that that was, that was part of it, you know? Um, but, you know, to make a deal work with, with Brooklyn, though, is tough because, you know, I, I can't imagine they're going to send out DeAndre Jordan. I mean, you you could get in a situation where you're getting like a Torian Prince and a Jared Allen, but then you got to get another piece too, because just trying to make the money work is you got to get to like 27 million. And so even if you did like a fine trade of Joe Harris, oof. Yeah, that might be tough. I mean, Joe Harris is is somebody I'd love to have, but he's the perfect player to kind of have next to Durant and Irving. So you really don't. I can't imagine they're going to move Harris in a deal like that. Um, yeah, it's a tough it's a tough fit, I think. But I don't know. I mean, big is the issue to me. You know, and, and I, could could they walk? if the folks walk into training camp and Robert Williams just takes the position? It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. You know, they don't even need to make any trades. And and, and that could just happen. But I also, because I think he has the potential to be a, a really good starting center. But, I mean, you saw it, right? I mean, he's got a ways to go. Mentally. Physically, no. But mentally, he's got a ways to go. You know? And even if he's that guy 20 minutes a night, that would be a huge Huge boost to this team. Huge boost, you know. If he and if he and uh, and 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 Tyce could could swap basically 20, 24 minutes a night between those two guys, and you just had to fill a couple small ball lineup minutes with uh, you know Grant at the five when he's not playing the four, that would be that would be all I could ask for, you know. Um, but I think they need
0: little- more. They need more. They need more at that position, I feel like. I
1: feel I, like and, they, I'll,
0: and I'll just take a big defensive yeah. guy. You know, um, they don't need scoring. They've got plenty of offense. They need somebody who can set bruising picks. What they really need is somebody yeah. exactly like Tice, but with a little bit more muscle, really. I mean, that sound defender, team defender, I mean, I know he had his struggles there down, you know, at the very end. Right. But you know, a good team defender, somebody who can just set some good picks, roll a little bit, move well within the paint on the offense. But I mean, really, you don't want him. Sh- you don't want that position shooting a lot of shots. It's taking too much away from the rest of the offense. What you want is a stud who can throw some bodies around, clear some space. The one thing that you can say about Tice that no matter who they put into that position, all of – you look at the growth of Tatum getting to the rim and finishing better, and then you look at how many times did Tice just maneuver himself so well in the paint and just time mm-hmm. like a pick that rolls into another pick, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yep, yep, that, totally. Those moves – are so intelligent, but then on the defensive end or somebody like a BAM who's just, whether it's offense or defense, is just so much stronger is where they get killed. They really need somebody who can be sound. You you could put a veteran in there. You really could. You you know, even like it's too late now for this player, but even like a Tyson Chandler, somebody who can, you know, alter some shots defensively, get some rebounds, you know, and, and just move into the right spots to generate offense even if the ball never touches their hands.
1: I mean Derek Favors to me would be the perfect
0: guy. Oh man, up. that's that's Danger you know? Hart's boy. He's been singing the Derek's song I know for like and I five I years. You, I mean
1: he can't shoot but but man defensively he is a load. You know, and he's you know he's 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 twenty nine, he's old on the older side now. Uh, but you know his he doesn't his, his numbers defending the rim are, are really outstanding.
0: Smart. I was going to say, but they need to be smart and having somebody a little bit later. That's not really that late. He's he'll be strong, like physically strong, and still in his prime for another three years. I mean, I'd rather that, have a twenty-nine year the, old at the center yes. position than yes.
1: you know basing that defense around a twenty-eight year old, a twenty-four year old. You know, that's just just in terms of. Knowledge and experience, league and
0: experience. The to do all those little dirty work moves that make such a difference, and you and you got to get respect from the officials. So yeah,
1: and, and which Pice never <laughs> Tice never did. Tice never did. Now look, Tice has got one more year, you know, and you know, could the Celtics re-sign him? Sure. Um, you know, is he going to be worth bigger money? Yeah, I think so. You know, so if they could get somebody who is, you know, kind of the stopgap, that's wonderful. I mean, I don't, I, I don't need to say this as any sort of disrespect to Rob Williams or Grant Williams, but they need to have more veterans on this bench that they can count on who can come in and provide something. That's what they really didn't have this season. You know, Canner could come in and, and, and rebound, offensive rebound, but he'd give back twice as much on the other side of it. And, you know, obviously he blew enough bunnies to, I can't even tell you. So, you know, those, those kind of veteran pieces, Wanamaker had a good run too, but, you know, I really don't think, I really, I think that the front court is where the focus needs to be. Um, I do think that, you know, they do need some, they do need point help in the point guard position. They do need to have some veteran shooters in the backcourt who can, who can shoot it and, and can run the team. Uh, when Kemba uh, is unavailable. I mean I'm all for developing Tremont. I'm all for, you know, hoping that Carson Edwards can get some confidence back in his in yeah. his shot. But but man, anybody's it, all
0: for hope. Everybody's all for hope and a player. Sure. That yeah. that that's not a reality. You know, the, those are though those are throwaway opportunities at this point. Maybe not Tremont, but definitely Carson Edwards. I just don't, think I, don't know. I don't think he's got it. And and I, Tremont's kind of like mm, maybe a microwave five six minutes come in if he can really he just seems like he's got more confidence at the NBA level. Carson looked awesome in summer league and and it really still looked great in the G League is, confidence wise. But like I compared him before, he's got that Jordan Mickey or or R.J. Hunter issue coming into the actual pros.
1: But I think you know. Look, I, I think we've seen rookies have horrendous first years, and and then come back and, and turn it around. So I, I, I'm I'm never gonna write a guy off after one year, um, unless they're really, really, you know, really bad. So I'm will You know, Terry Rozier didn't have a great first year. Avery Bradley didn't have a great first year. I'm willing to kind of see where this thing goes, and and hope that that. You know Carson can kind of find find something, but you know I I just I look at what they have there and and those he has an opportunity. Both those guys have an opportunity and had really had an opportunity this year. Um, they just they couldn't seize it. You know I think Romeo will be part of the rotation next year. I, I'm I'm very I'm somewhat bullish on his ability to add 10 15 minutes or so, um, consistently, but. I think they need some bench veteran help. Um, you know who can who can really shoot it. You know I think that's really what they need to add is some some shooting. Um, Wanamaker had great percentages and and was fine in that regard. If they could bring him back, that's good. But I think they need at least one more. You know one more guy who can who can fill it up a bit. What All right.
0: Think? Yeah. Well- no, I think you're right. I think they yeah. they need both positions. Like when we talked about the draft, we were like, well, theoretically, what do you need? Do you need somebody who can, you know, put some points in at the guard position and and make sure that the the bench is getting scoring or do you need that do you, they need both. They honestly mm-hmm. need both, both, and they're not going to get both. Right? Can we agree on that? Like Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost just a have trade to you almost have to take a shot at one in the draft or maybe hope that Langford you know, can make a little bit of a leap and stay healthy because he could contribute offensively. I know they're relying on him defensively, but I think he has more plenty there. of chops. Yeah, there's so totally. much more offensive yeah. ability in his game, especially just watch him attacking the rim. Like, that's what I said at the beginning of the show, right? When you, I want a guy who can slash a little bit and – I know he's been working, you know, all the ping pong battle, ping pong, <laughs> you know, paddle hand, yeah. right. uh, you know that whole part. Whatever, I I think that's a much to do about not so much. I we've seen him be able to shoot the three. He had a big one in the postseason. I, I I think he is a scorer first, meaning drive and attack. But I don't think that means he can't shoot or that he's not a shooter. What? Everybody said, is it so surprising how much offense he can bring to the table? I think he would thrive in the absence of Hayward. So if you took a flyer on a more sweet shooting guard, because that's what they need. And and again, in the draft, I just don't think you're going to get a huge impact. But, you know, Duncan Robinson hasn't been around in this league all that long. Um, If they if they found a pure shooter that they could bring in, like a legit poor, pure shooter with some size who can get his shot off in the NBA now, even if they're sacrificing a little defense and everything else. They just need somebody to come in and hit some open ones. Somebody who's not going to be paid attention to, which happens all the time in this offense, and then somebody just doesn't get it, right? They don't hit it. God bless Grant Williams for hitting them when he was that guy, especially down the stretch. Um because he definitely did it. And, I, and with the way he started last season, you didn't think he had it in him. But on the stage, when he was left wide open in the corner, he made those shots most of the time. So good for him. I think they need that guy. I think Romeo can be maybe that scorer. And, you know, if you're going to make a deal, I think you got to make a deal for a big. A, you know, like a Derek Favors would be great. Somebody who has that – you know, Ennis Canner brought a lot to the table as a vet as far as like camaraderie and everything, but he he could only be used in certain situations and he was more offensive and rebounding than he was defensive. And we already know defense has to be there at that position in the postseason. And the minute Tice gets into foul trouble because he's not a dominant force, their defense crumbles. And so that's the primary position, in my opinion. But I think Langford can can provide what you're talking about. And yeah, and, I do
1: too. I think and maybe he's, a rookie. He, if if there was a trade, uh, I think that there's a lot of Gordon Hayward in how, um, just in terms of his feel and, awesome. and as a bigger guy, a bigger guard, a bigger wing. I think there's a lot of a lot of comparisons there. Not to say he would be doing the same thing. Or that he's as good. Not not at all saying that, but but just saying that there's there's a path for for Romeo Langford to to uh, to aspire to a you know eighty percent ninety percent you know of Gordon Hayward's career. I think I think that's that's within his his grasp. You know, I think he, I think not only that within his grasp. But that's a possibility, a possible outcome for him. You know, and I think that the Celtics. Um, are doing everything they can to kind of support that um so you know <laughs> the question is will he have that opportunity next year uh you know to fill that void of, of gordon hayward i don't know but but i think you're right i think i have a lot of faith in him um i just i think that there's you know he's still in that spot behind the jalen and behind the jason that works you can see that as a pathway there there's a pathway for those other guards but you know, they got to do more, a lot more. And and to be fair, the 30th pick and the 50-whatever uh pick that Tremont was, you know, it's not often those guys become something anyway. So we're not talking about uh, whiffing on the 8th the pick in the draft or something like that.
0: All right, John, I agree. A lot more, a lot more. And there's going to be lots more to talk about over the next few weeks as we lead up to the draft in a – uh a pretty quick return to training camp. So it's going to be madness. I'm just going to, I'm going to take the handcuffs off next week and let us take a (laughs) deep dive into prospects. Let you enjoy this abbreviated time of the year with limited information and make the best of it. Uh, And I don't want to steal this from you and it's eight months overdue, right? Or six months overdue somewhere between six and eight months overdue. Uh, So, so let's rock and roll. That's going to do it for this week's episode. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in again this week. As a reminder, you can support Celtic Stuff Live by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd certainly appreciate a rating and a review. Your feedback is important to the show. And on behalf of the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live.